Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. The great prophet and forerunner, John the Baptizer, he sits in prison today waiting for his execution. And he sends two disciples to ask Jesus if he is the coming one. Now, many of our modern radio preachers like to talk about how John was in a place of despair and hopelessness, how he had lost all faith and was grasping for something in the face of his personal troubles. I'm not sure why they do this. Maybe they think that it'll make us feel better about ourselves when we waver in our faith. Even the great John wavered, so I shouldn't feel so bad when I struggle. Well, we don't need to bring people down into some sort of squalor of disbelief and despair so that we can feel better about ourselves. That's not how it works. To the contrary, we need to venerate those who have achieved great sanctity through faithfulness and sacrifice, whether it be the mother of God, the apostles and martyrs, or the greatest born of woman, John the Baptist. We don't need complicit sympathy. We need a vision of hope. We don't need a chum to sit with us in the gutter and pat our back. We need a liberator. We don't need pity. We need light. We need someone to inspire us with courage to stand up and run for the prize that awaits us. And few are better suited for this than St. John the Baptist. He was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. He met Jesus and recognized him and leapt for joy. Has the Spirit left him now because he sits in prison? I don't think so. John spent his entire life out in the wilderness, surviving on the most meager sustenance, alone. He was a great ascetic. Has he lost his faith all of a sudden because he's sitting in a prison cell for a few days? John baptized the Lord himself, and he saw the Spirit descend upon him. He heard the Father's voice from heaven. Do you think he now questions who Jesus is? John knew he wasn't even worthy to unlatch his cousin's sandal. John proclaimed that Jesus would come baptizing in the Spirit. John said he must decrease and Jesus must increase. John declared to the world, he's the first one to declare to the world that Jesus is the very Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now he's doubting, lost, and in despair? I don't think so. Neither did the fathers, despite what maybe the modern preachers say. Furthermore, it doesn't appear that Jesus thought that his cousin John was suffering from a crisis of faith either, just because he was locked up in prison. After John's disciples asked their question and left, Jesus turns to the crowd and speaks to them about John. He says more about John the Baptist than any other. And what does he say? Poor John, 
Suffering in prison, stripped of his finery and freedom, poor John, plagued by doubts and vexed with anxiety, poor John, who was once so faithful and stalwart, now suffering in the dank prison cell, has lost himself and fallen from this great pinnacle of strength. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus turns to the crowd and he says about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Tearing down John the Baptist will not make us better people. It might salve our conscience for a time, take the pressure off, but in the end, it will not do anything to liberate us from sin or prepare us to receive the Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want a pill to ease my pain so I can perish in peace. I want to become something more. I want to attain to the glory that God has promised. St. John points the way and he extends his hand to us to help us, but we have to take it. We have to receive courage from him that he will lead us and prepare us for the Christ. He spent his whole life in the desert, stripped of any luxury or convenience, even human companionship, stripped of any distractions. There he waited on God. There he presented himself before God day after day, year after year. In patience, he possessed his soul before God. Being prepared to come as the greatest messenger the world has ever known, greater than all the other prophets and messengers sent before. What did you go out to see, Jesus says, a reed shaken by the wind? In the gentlest of breezes, a reed will bend this way and that. Is John the Baptist the kind of man who bends this way and that, whose soul is shaken like a reed in the wind? Is he moved by anything, by praise or by adversity? If the wind of praise and flattery comes his way, I think it means nothing to him. He doesn't care. His soul does not bend towards such things. John cares about one thing. He cares about what his cousin Jesus thinks about him. And that's it. What about the wind of adversity? You think he's troubled by these things? Does he suddenly bend the other way because he's unpopular? The old fox has thrown him in prison. Is he all of a sudden questioning his ministry? Is he in a crisis of faith? Maybe this prophet stuff was a mistake, maybe he's thinking. You know, maybe I should have taken that position as a temple priest after my dad. At least I would have had a comfortable and respectable vocation and three meals a day. I don't think that's what he was thinking. What did you go out to see, a man clothed in soft garments? Jesus praises John's resolute stability, and now he praises his asceticism, his austerity. He doesn't reside in king's palaces in soft clothing. He comes from the desert, he's clothed in camel's hair, he's not concerned with worldly things or comforts, 
temporal things. He's concerned with the kingdom of God. He's rejected all those soft delights of this world. He's chosen an austere path. Jesus calls John also an angel of God, a messenger who prepares the way for Christ and for the kingdom of God. But to be this angel, this messenger, unwavering, untouched by the world, he is singular in his purpose. He's even called violent in his pursuit of heavenly things. In our preparation, and we are in preparation during this Advent season, we are in preparation for the coming of our Lord in the Nativity. Our Lord comes, our Lord has come, but our Lord is coming. Will he find a mansion prepared for himself? We can beg and ask the assistance of St. John the Baptist. We can ask him to help us, intercede for us. We can look to him that we might not be double-minded or unstable. That we might not be like a reed swayed by praise or difficulties. But we can be sure and patient Faithful and steadfast in our faith. God help us to endure patiently and so to possess our souls. We also can take a cue and emulate the Baptist in our austerity, in a simplicity of life, in singular focus and dedication to the things of God and the kingdom of God. You know, you don't have to be a monk, okay? So you're not monks, you don't need to be a monk. But, all of you, You do have to be a little monk. Everybody's got to be a little monk. You're required as a Christian to live simply and to not be obsessed with anything or preoccupied or given to anything which is passing away. We're all called to asceticism. May we also aspire like John to be angels, messengers of God. Lights on a hill, not hidden, shining with the grace of the Spirit that we have received, and encourage one another along the way a little, to hold them up, to say to one another, come with me to the house of the Lord, that we might worship together. Then when Christ comes, when the Christ child comes, in his nativity, May we be prepared like the Blessed Virgin Mary had been prepared by the grace of God, had been purified and made clean and holy, a fit dwelling place for the Savior. May we, those mansions that Christ spoke of, that he would prepare a place, you are that place, you are that mansion. Prepare your heart for the Christ child. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.